0: Our first Bible reading this morning is from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 25 to 26 and 40 to 41. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say. And the second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I already gave you a warning when I was with you the second time. I now repeat it while absent. On my return, I will not spare those who sinned earlier or any of the others, since you are demanding proof that Christ is speaking through me. He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him to serve you. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realise that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not that people will see that we have stood the test, but that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is for your perfection. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority, the authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection, listen to my appeal, be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints send their greetings. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, St. Tom's. My name's Karen, in case you don't know. Uh, I have two announcements before I start the sermon. Can you turn on this mic? Thank you. Uh, One is, uh, this was a basal cell carcinoma that was operated on last Sunday, Saturday, and it's fine, um, uh, but that'll distract you if you're trying to work out what it was. Um, And the other is, which may be linked because I was pretty out of it this week, uh, the sermon slides have disappeared, uh, so I do not have sermon slides today. Um, So, you know, there's points at which I look at I point out pictures and there aren't any. So, you're going to have to listen hard. (laughs) Fiona thinks that's a great idea. Yes. Alrighty. So, St. Tom's, we've reached the final chapter of 2 Corinthians. (laughs) And maybe you feel like it's been a long haul since I preached the opening chapter some months ago. Uh, That's because it has been a really long haul. A really long haul. When I was six, my family spent a year living in Germany. And one of my really clear memories is of going down the salt mines in Salzburg. We got into overalls completely, right? And we went down the longest, scariest, darkest slide into the underground mine that you have ever seen. I was terrified out of my little brain. And it went on forever. We're on this slide whistling down into the earth, right? And we get to the bottom and there's this magical world of salt pillars lit up, like salt pillars like this lit up from inside. And it was so, so beautiful, Well, that's where we've got to in 2 Corinthians, the bottom of the slide into the magical world. We've spent months talking about the problems in Corinth, the super apostles, the godliness or lack thereof in the church. And can you imagine how it must have felt when the Corinthians received this letter? By the time they've read to here, they've had chapters and chapters of reprimand and rebuke and you'd be forgiven for thinking that maybe the relationship with the Corinthians and Paul is over. But it's not. Instead, Paul tells them they have the power of God at work in them. He tells them to test themselves and he reassures them they belong to, the, to each other because of the Trinity. This is the magical world at the bottom of the slide. So let me show you on my slides how it works. They need to be, Paul says, equipped for life in Christ. That's the title of the sermon, just in case you missed it. Equipped for life in Christ because God's power is at work in them and therefore they must test themselves, faith, life, and fellowship. And so they need to live under the grace, love, and communion of the Trinity. So if you look in your Bibles, you'll notice chapter 13 starts with verses one and two, but they are actually the end of the argument from from chapter 12, right? And he concludes with the statement, "'I will not be lenient with you, "'since you desire proof that Christ is speaking in me. "'He's not weak in dealing with you, "'but is powerful in you, "'for he was crucified in weakness, "'but lives by the power of God. "'For we are weak in him, "'but in dealing with you, "'we will live with him by the power of God.'" Do you not realize Christ is in you, he says? They desire proof that Christ is speaking in him. And suddenly he's talking about power and weakness, God's power, their weakness, his weakness, Christ's weakness, and it all gets very confusing. So I drew a chart, which is also not on the slide. I like my charts. I'm sure you've imagined, you've understood that. So this was my attempt at expressing it. And basically... Imagine, you've got the power of God in the middle with a line, and it divides into three. In the middle is the power of God in Christ, that's verse 4. On the left is the power of God in the Corinthians, that's verse 3. And on the right is the power of God in Paul and his followers, because they live with him. Alright, so you've got this chart, you can see it, right? And then underneath, Paul and the Corinthians, is test. Test test yourselves. So Paul is saying the power of God that was seen in the risen Christ when he was raised from the dead is the same power at work in the Corinthians and in Paul when they are weak. And he goes on to say Christ is in them. So the power that comes from God to Christ goes to the Corinthians and to Paul. Christ is in them again by the power of God. So there's lots of power being flung about all over the place here, right? And Paul says, if there is power, then they are free to test their faith and life and fellowship. That's the test bits off the bottom. All right. And so he goes on and he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed. But we pray to God that you may not do anything wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. Though we may have seemed to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we rejoice when we are, when we are weak and you are strong. This is what we pray for, that you may become perfect. So I write these things while I'm away from you, so that when I come... I may not be severe in using the authority that the Lord has given me for building up, not for tearing down. Now, our culture is an anti-judgment type of culture. How many times have you heard, especially teenagers, if you've got teenagers, but in our culture in general, don't judge me. (laughs) There's a few rolled eyes I can see. Maybe it doesn't even need to be teenagers. Um, Or we shouldn't judge. Or I'm, I'm not being judgmental, which of course always prefaces that you are. But this passage is actually saying that the Corinthians are to judge themselves. Well, in fact, the passage says they are to test themselves and examine themselves. And I actually think that's different. So it seems to me when we're judged, when we're judged, That's the end of the story. If someone is judged in a courtroom, the next step is sentencing. It's the end. There's no more negotiations, right? If someone is doing a driving test and they fail, then they can't drive. They're judged to fail, right? But if I go to the gym and they test my cardio capacity or how many kilos I can bench press, well, then that's different, isn't it? How? Why? Why is it different? Well, it's because I'm being tested so my trainer can work out what exercises to give me in my next program. All right? He's trying to develop my weaknesses. If I have weak biceps, then that's what will be emphasized in my next program. And so Paul tells the Corinthians to examine themselves, test themselves, not so they'll be judged and fail, but so they can strengthen their weaknesses. And how do we know it's test yourselves rather than judge yourselves? Well, you can see it in verse 9. Paul says, This is what we pray for, that you may become perfect. Weird. Perfect is surprising, isn't it? They can't become perfect, it's not actually possible. But the original Greek actually says that they may become fully equipped. Perfect in that sense of fully equipped for the job. Paul prays they'll be fully equipped so they'll develop in such a way that they'll be able to serve God with their whole lives. Fully equipped. And so he says, test yourselves, examine yourselves, be fully equipped. And I think his comments fall into three categories. Test your faith, test your life, test your fellowship. His first question in verse 5 is... Are you living in the faith? Because don't you know Christ is in you, he says. Now he knows he's talking to Christians because that's who he addressed the letter to. The people who've given their lives to Jesus, the church of God in Corinth, the saints in Achaia, Achaia, I can never say that. So here at the end of the letter, he reminds them they do have Christ in them and the testing is to work out their weaknesses. So what does it mean to be living in the faith? Well, some translations say standing in the faith, but the passage, again, actually just says, are you in the faith? There's no word in there, living, standing, nothing. It's just in, right? And it seems to be more a question of, do you trust in the living Lord Jesus for your salvation? Because he goes on to say, don't you know Jesus is in you? It's not about being a good Anglican or being nice, but are you in the faith? Are you in the family of God? Do you have Christ in you? I once asked a youth group, how would you get adopted into my family? And I expected them to respond with things like, Well, we could wash your car or vacuum your house. One very literal teen said, I'd have to kill my parents first. (laughs) Thanks, helpful, yes. But it's a serious question. How would you get into my family? Well, not by cleaning my windows or washing my clothes. That just makes you a servant or a cleaner. The only way you get adopted into my family is if I ask you and you say yes. And it's the same with God. He asked the Corinthians into his family and they said yes. And Paul knows they've said yes because they have Christ in them. And the question is the same for us How do we get into God's family? Well, God asks us to be his children and our response is yes or no. We can't answer with, I'll wash your windows or go to church or be nice. That just makes us servants. The way we get into God's family is by telling God, by praying, God, I want to be in your family. I know you've offered this because Jesus died in my place. I want to say yes to you. Please forgive me and accept me in. That's the sort of thing you'd pray. And then Paul goes on, bizarrely, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. He's just said, I know Christ is in you, unless you fail to meet the test. What? And then he says, I hope you'll find out that we have not failed. What? Well, remember, Paul was the one who told them the gospel. He first told them the gospel. So if they haven't accepted Christ and are just pretending, then Paul must somehow have failed in his telling them about Christ. But obviously they have accepted Christ and Paul hasn't failed and he's being sarcastic, is my assessment. So he says, test your faith. Are you in Christ? Now test your life. If they're in God's family, then they are to represent that family well. Their life needs to reflect their faith. Paul prays that you, the, you they, the Corinthians, may not do anything wrong Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may even seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we rejoice when we are weak and you are strong. This is what we pray for, that you may become perfect. He's praying that their behavior will represent the family well. He's asking, are you living a life worthy of the gospel, as he says elsewhere, And he's asking, not so he looks good, but for their sake. He wants them to be fully equipped for their life of faith. All the way through to 2 Corinthians, he's asked them about their life in the faith. And at the end of chapter 12, he says, another slide up on the screen, I fear that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, conceit and disorder. He's asking about the nitty-gritty of their lives, not just big theological ideas, but are they quarreling with each other? Is there jealousy? Are people angry, selfish, gossiping? And these things don't change, do they? Paul could ask us the same. Is there quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, conceit, disorder? And I know there is. So St. Thomas, what are we going to do about this? If we've passed the test of faith, if Christ is in us and we know that he is, are we passing the test of life? Remember though I said it was a test, not a judgment. When we find we're failing at something, then that shows us where we need to work to strengthen our weakness. Like at the gym, find a weak muscle and work on it. One way of doing that is to ask, what am I valuing more than God when I do that thing, whatever that thing is? If I'm gossiping, maybe I'm valuing my superiority more than I value what God wants. If I'm being selfish, maybe I'm valuing my own comfort above what God wants for me. If I'm jealous, maybe I'm not trusting that God loves me as his child. So then I have to remind myself of what Paul has already taught in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he, God, made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in we, so that, sorry, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Speaking personally, I know this is really hard. I'm in the middle of a conflict, not here at church, that has been going on for months. I've been angry, hurt, rude, I've been tempted to gossip. I know I'm not completely in the right, so I have to examine myself. Remembering that Christ's power is at work in me and I've been asking what am I valuing more than God and my godliness and the answer is being powerful and being in control. So what do I do then? Well I remind myself for my sake God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him I might become the righteousness of God. And I repent and I ask forgiveness of God and others and I work out how to do what is right before God. I work out what is true and act on that. This has required much thinking, talking, even mediation. If I take this passage seriously, I actually have to test myself, find my weakness and work on it. And maybe you need to do the same. But remember, we belong to Christ because Christ's power is at work within us. We don't need to be ashamed. We need to develop godliness. We need to be honest with ourselves, repent and ask forgiveness. We need to really accept apologies and offer apologies and practice being godly. And finally, Paul tells them to live together in faith. It's all interwoven, isn't it? Are they living as a body of Christ with unity and love? He says, So I write these things while I'm away from you, so that when I come, I may not have to be severe in using the authority the Lord has given me for building up, not for tearing down. And then he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints. Greet you. Paul wants all these things for the Corinthians so they'll be a community characterized by building up, not tearing down. He begs them to listen to his appeal, agree with each other and live in peace. And this is the point, because the God of love and peace will be with them. God promised he'd be with them. He promised he'd use his power in them and he does it in a community of Christians that brings glory to God. And this message comes all the way down through the centuries to us. Are we in the faith? If you aren't, you need to come to God and ask forgiveness. Talk with me, pray with someone, ask to be part of God's family. But if we are in God's family, are we living a life that represents God well? Is that seen in our community life? Are we a community characterized by love and peace? What are our weaknesses? How do we help each other be godly, love sacrificially, and be at peace? How do we be a community where forgiveness is offered and accepted? Only through God's power at work in us. So examine yourselves, ask God for specific help in the places that you're weak, and practice and practice. And finally, Paul ends with the recognition that they can only do this through the Trinity at work in them. He ends where he began this letter with the power of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And he'd say the same to us, St. Thomas. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So let's actually say it to each other. Can you remember it? Because it was on the slide. Let's take it slowly and carefully and keep in mind what we're saying. It's not rote. Oh, somebody's lovely. Thank you. So together, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen.